1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon We'll
2: also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, But perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, ghostbusters 2 with amazing guests like tom meissen liz hannah joanna robinson brian cogman chuck hayward you can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989 and for five dollars you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes for a few bucks more you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes and perhaps most importantly you'll be supporting us uh so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys Welcome to podcast like it's 1999. I am your host, Phil Viscove. It is just me today, but not just me, of course. Uh, I have uh, Matthew D'Ambrosio is back on the podcast, past, past and future guest, uh, TV writer, uh on the witcher um a a, a social media guru can can we say that can we say that i mean you're better on twitter than i am you can say whatever you
3: want doesn't make it true
2: (laughs) (laughs) we have a president sort of right now who believes that to be true as well Um, um but we are going to be talking about uh one of my favorite bands and one of matthew's favorite bands we're going to be talking about the Smashing Pumpkins today, and and the reason we're talking about them is because 1999 was a sort of the beginning of the end for this band. I think we can all safely say, um, you know, they they and we'll talk about this as we sort of get into the chronology of this band a little bit. But um, we're going to talk a little bit specifically about Everlasting Gaze, which was the first single off, as far as I'm concerned, their last real album. Um, and uh, it came out in 99 And we'll talk about that We'll unpack the, the the video and the single And all of that But let's rewind a little bit, Matthew And how did the Smashing Pumpkins come into your life? And what do they, what do they mean to you? I
3: think for me it was around the time that Because it was like the mid-90s Was when, you know, uh, the Today music video disarm mm-hmm. um, And then it was like That's when music videos were like the big thing and so I remember seeing the music video for Bullet with Butterfly Wings and just thinking of like, oh, you know, despite all my rage, I am still just a rat in a cage. And so it's just like, <laughs> there was just something about it. Like, uh-huh. you know, I was just so into that song for a long time. And then obviously Melancholy, the album. Mm. Um, and so it, that was sort of my, you know, music videos were my introduction to most music when I was a kid. But Smashing Pumpkins were like the first band that where I was like, Oh, this is like music that I actually want to listen to all the time, and I did
2: so uh, you're a little younger than me if i 'm not mistaken i believe uh, i I am currently forty, so i don 't want to say how old you are but i'm twenty one um,
3: years old yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you're a lot younger than i am uh-huh. um, but uh it, it's interesting because and, and i sort of I, I want to unpack this a little bit because I actually think that they are um I think they were a little bit of a guilty pleasure for a lot of people. Um, you know, they 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 come out at a time, I mean, they start to peak, obviously, during grunge. Um, and in a weird way, I'm not sure that they're totally a grunge band. Like, they, they are in the sense that they've got an axe to grind and there's a lot of, like, emo components to it, for sure. Um But there's a there's a florid quality to them, there's a theatricality to them, and a kind of if I if I can be honest, a bit of a drama student component to them that make that don't make them feel like Nirvana or Pearl Jam or Soundgarden or all these bands, which is what quite frankly made me gravitate towards them. I don't know if you felt the same way.
3: Yeah. Well, I remember cause I remember the first time I got melancholy, I was so drawn to like the double CD cause it was huge. <laughs> and it like, it was, it was so cool because it was like a little bit of everything. Um, which I think at the time was like a huge criticism of the album it was like, it's all over the place. But for me, I was like, Oh, this is like hard rock. This is like pop rock. This is indie rock all on one double album. Wow. And so it was, that's what appealed to me about them. Because like depending on whatever mood I'm in, if I want like languid nine minute you know rock opera, I have Porcelain of the Vast Oceans. Or if I want like you know just to get mad at my dad, right. I have Zero. And so it's just like every like every it, it runs the gamut. Um, yeah, and that's, it's, you know yeah. one of the things that's me about them.
2: Yeah, it's you know it's it's really interesting because it feels like they. Um, I mean obviously Billy Corgan is the is is the main voice of this band literally figuratively and and in every sort of way and it does feel as though um they had their moment for sure but he still doesn't feel satisfied by what transpired over the the, the history of this band um you know and and longevity in music is Kind of an impossibility. There are a handful of bands that somehow found a way to, con- con, you know, continue being relevant. But um, sometimes you have your moment, and you have to seize it, and you have to enjoy it for what it is. Um, and and it does feel like this band, sort of, uh, in the research that I've done, and in just you know being a fan of them, it feels like. They never really got along. <laughs> they never really enjoyed making this music, and I, I would argue they certainly didn't seem to enjoy performing it either. So there's just like this weirdness, this this dissonance in and them. And it's funny,
3: it, well, because also the common denominator in all of that is Billy Corgan. Because like I also got really into Zwan. Remember Zwan? Sure, I do remember. And Swan. again, it was like, and I I mm-hmm. like that that their only album a lot. But like they fell apart because they all hated each other in a very yeah. similar way. Like that happened with Smashing Pumpkins, and so for me, I'm like, oh, I think it's probably just like Billy Corgan, which is like totally cool. Yeah. I get it, but at the same time, <laughs> it's just like, um, you know, like if 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 like you know, it was the saying of like a uh, if everyone you like you meet in your day is as an asshole, like maybe you're the asshole. Maybe
2: they're the asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's there's you know, it's funny. It does feel like um, he. I mean, I guess heavy is the head that wears the crown, but there's a little bit of this like component of a guy who just wasn't really built for this, like for stardom, for, for being the front man of a rock band. Like despite the fact that it's perhaps what he wanted most, he just wasn't actually emotionally built for it, um, which I think is interesting. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I don't know, so you said the first song that you remember was, or seeing the video for today, right? That was what what you, maybe yeah. one of the first moment. It was like
3: the ice cream truck, right? Yes, yeah. I remember it's seeing the, it from Divas and Butthead. Yeah. It was like because Beavis and Butthead used to play music videos and I remember seeing that and like seeing the music video and then hearing Beavis and Butthead talking over it being like, I wish they would shut up because the song is really good.
2: Yeah, Yeah, Beavis and Butthead were kind of mystery science uh, theater, you know, whatever or that like in the beginning, they were kind of taking the piss out of music videos, which is fair. Um, You know, the first time so I heard them in the first time I heard them was the single soundtrack. Um, Drown was the last song on the single soundtrack and that song comes out in that soundtrack comes out in ninety two. Gish comes out in ninety one to some acclaim and, and fanfare, um, but is quickly kind of eclipsed by Nevermind, which comes out in September of ninety one, which kind of changes the whole game. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're on this very very successful soundtrack for singles, which arguably is more successful than the movie ever was, and it's sort of a moment for them. And it's clear, at least, that Billy Corgan. Realizes that like this is their moment. As does Virgin, like Virgin, the the record label. Like this is our band. We're all in on Smashing Pumpkins, despite the fact that their name is immensely stupid. Uh, th- th- we're all in on this band. Um, and he sort of. I mean, I guess he was in a depression. It seems like he was in a depression for a good chunk of his creative output. But his whole uh, career. <laughs> his whole career. <laughs> yeah. He has this moment apparently where. He pulls himself out of this depression that he's in and the lyrics of Today come to him and sort of Siamese Dream kind of comes to him in this wash of creativity uh, post-depression, which is a, a fantastic way to deal with depression and I'm glad he was able to cathartically work his way through that. But that song has sort of this, and I'm sure you know this as well, but like, you know, there's rumors that he was suicidal and that this was the song that like got him out of his suicidal downturn whatever you want to call it downward spiral um it's just a great fucking song like i i don't i don't yeah. want to take too much i don't want to put too much on it cuz it takes almost away from the song
3: yeah i mean it's also like the lyrics are like pink ribbon scars that never forget you know and it's like oh okay like I, again it's like the kind of stuff i would write on my notebooks when i was in high school but like i mean and i'm not even joking i did that shit right. i absolutely did that shit i had like <laughs> i had the zero shirt Mm-hmm. that like i wore almost like every day until it literally fell apart in the washing machine like it disintegrated cuz like the fabric just melted away i swear That's to god sad. i put it in the washing machine and it came out in tatters because That's like i just really wore sad. it so i wore it so much it was my favorite yeah. shirt
2: um, i i have a i recently bought the um the sp in the silver heart I have that on a black shirt that, I'm, uh, that I that that I quite enjoy. Mm-hmm. I had many many smashing pumpkin shirts as a, as a kid. Um yeah, I think that it kind of comes back to what you were saying a little bit earlier, which is that they threaded a bunch of needles in terms of genre. They didn't really kind of fit into one genre. So, I felt like I was kind of checking a lot of boxes as a fan, right? Cuz I wasn't yeah. wasn't if I'm being completely frank, I liked Nirvana but I wasn't like into nirvana i didn't feel like they spoke to me in the same way that i guess a lot of people felt like they spoke to them um i think the theatricality and the um you know this sort of almost whimsical if i could be so bold as to, to put that on the special pumpkins that's kind of the stuff that i gravitated towards yeah um but Siamese Dream comes out in 93. It's huge, debuts 10 on the Billboard 200, sells over 4 million copies in the U.S., and it's obviously a big It's a big hit. It's a big success. Um, and it's a great fucking album. Um, it's my favorite. I think, there's, I think there's... Is it your favorite of theirs? Siamese Dream, absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, I love it. I, I think there's something also about his output and by his, I mean, Billy, every album that he put out could have been a double album. And, and in most, <laughs> in most situations he wanted it to be. And yeah, they constantly be like, you know, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Siamese dream comes out and then, uh, Pisces, how the fuck is Iscariot? Iscariot. Sure. Yeah. Comes out the next year, which is all the B sides off of Siamese dream. Those two together also would have been just a tremendous album in, in yeah. and of itself. Um, and that's the the song that that I love off of Pisces is is Landslide. Their their yeah. cover of the of the it's Fleetwood Mac song. It's a beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's sort of like you're really seeing an ascension at this point. You know, this is mid '90s. This is on the 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 crest of 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 '90s sort of alternative rock and what have you. Um, but uh, Kurt Cobain dies in '94. If I'm not mistaken, am I crazy, or is that am I am I making uh, am I making that up? Hold on, I don't want to. I don't
3: speak. actually know off the top of my yeah, head.
2: I want to make sure that I'm not uh, talking uh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he dies. He dies in April of '94, um, and it leaves a big sort of vacuum of who's going to be the next Kirk Cobain, and it does feel like melancholy comes out in 95 about a year or so after that and they kind of felt like they were perhaps the band that was going to you know
3: yeah i mean i don't know how you felt about them it felt like they were being positioned that way and it's like another you know another reason i feel that way is because they were showing up on stuff like i remember that like one of my favorite episodes of the simpsons is the homer palooza episode yeah where it's like you know homer introduces or billy Corgan introduces himself to uh, ho- uh, Homer is like Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins Homer Simpson smiling politely you know the original uh, they wanted to get Courtney Love uh, for that really? episode but they couldn't get her and the original joke was uh, Courtney Love and then Homer would reply Homer happy
2: What's <laughs> 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 the original joke that's a great
3: joke yeah but again mm-hmm. it was like you know the especially pumpkins were showing up in the content that I was watching and for me that made him a household name because I was like oh he's like on oh, the Simpsons this is so cool Cypress Hill is also in this, but I don't really know who they are. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, and like that sort of, uh, what's the word? I don't know, just made him feel like bigger than life to me. Like he was on The Simpsons. I was like, this is so cool.
2: It also made them feel like kind of, I don't want to say approachable because that's the wrong word, but it it, it brought them into your home in a different way. And it kind of rounded the edges off of them as well, which I think is, you know, a double-edged sword let's put it that way Mm -hmm. i think at that time you know being cool and i I guess i would argue i guess maybe it still is in the music scene it's so important that you seem fucking cool um and then you're on the simpsons some people might argue that might make you less cool depending on who you are
3: yeah or like make you even more cool (laughs) because you're on the simpsons
2: sure um, but, but basically, so, you know, Kirk Cobain dies in, in April of 94, um, October 95, melancholy comes out. Uh, Billy Corgan writes 56 songs when he goes into the studio for this album, um, which he described as the wall for Generation X, which, Seems apropos, I guess yeah. um, It's a double album Lasting over two hours The songs were apparently intended to hang together Conceptually as a symbol of the cycle of life and death Praised by Time As the group's most ambitious and accomplished work yet uh, It's certified 10 times Platinum in the US Becoming the best-selling double album of the decade um, Garners a whole bunch of Grammy Awards It has five singles Bullet With Butterfly Wings 1979, Zero, Tonight Tonight, and 33 of which the first three were certified gold, all but zero entered the top 40. I remember, um, I guess it's probably, you know, it's the summer. Uh, I, <laughs> okay, so I went to summer camp, and when you go to summer camp, uh, basically you're kind of shut out from the world outside, right? So you don't really know what the fuck is going on. I remember a friend of mine picked me up at the, uh, af- after, after, summer camp to drive me home. And he was like, "Oh, I heard the new Smashing Pumpkins single," which like, you know, blew my mind cuz I was like, I didn't know they had a new song. I was 15, I mean, whatever. And I was like, "Oh, like what is it? What's it about?" He's like, "I don't know what it's called, but it's something about vampires." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, no that, that that tracks." Uh, yeah, I mean, so you mentioned Bullet uh, with Butterfly Wings was a big song for you. Um, yeah. was it the what was it about the song that spoke to you?
3: I think it was just the energy of it. Also being like an angsty, like, like, I mean, I can't even remember how old I was. I was not, I'm not good at math, so I'm not going to try it. But it, like it, it, at that, that, you know, that young, uh, early teen age, um, hearing people talking about their rage was relatable to me, especially as like, you know, a white suburban kid with nothing else to worry about. <laughs> Where it's like, <laughs> You know, it's like my life was pretty great, but of course I'm like angsty for some reason. And it's like Smashing Pumpkins filled that void for me um, in a big way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even their name, which is yeah. in and of itself, this sort of, you know, uh, rageful thing. Um, you know, it's it's funny. I and as we're going to do our top 10 songs for at the end uh, for, for our listeners, but, you know, the angsty, angry zero bullet with butterfly wings version of Smashing Pumpkins is not my version of Smashing Pumpkins. I I gravitate far more to the uh, the fantastical, the 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 more ballad oriented stuff, the stuff that feels larger than life. Yeah, um, and
3: that's the thing too, where it's like, even though that was my intro, that's not on my top ten list. That song.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 certainly not on mine. Although I will say that I just recently developed a pilot, um, and there's a specific needle drop to "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" where the beginning of that song, which is obviously spoken word of mm-hmm. the world a vampire, um, featured prominently in that pilot. So there you go. Um, <laughs> you know, take that for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, yeah I, you know. So then, basically. Um, they released this album, and then they quickly release uh, The Airplane Flies High, which is a box set of all of the B-sides, which is, in and of itself, another double album of songs. Mm-hmm. So that comes out. Um, and, and I would argue, I'm sure you would feel the same way, this is them at the peak of their powers, right? This is, this is them yes. being the biggest band that they'll ever be. Uh, it's an enormous album. They are touring it nonstop. Uh, July 11th, 96, in the middle of this tour, Jonathan Melvoin and Jimmy Chamberlain are caught. Well, Jonathan Melvoin dies of an overdose of heroin. Chamberlain is caught uh, in possession of heroin. Um, and uh, a few days later the band announces that Chamberlain's been fired from the band this is this is ultimately this is where sort of the rubber meets the road and this is when the band oh, this is the this is the, the descent now now we're seeing sort of a band uh unsure of itself from this kind of point on mm-hmm. um you know it it, it does feel like Billy's relationship with Jimmy was sort of Kind of the spine of this band For good or for bad Not to take anything away from James Iha e. And Darcy Retzky, The lead guitarist and bassist But um, yeah it, it feels like that
3: Well because also it felt like Billy bragged a lot During Siamese stream of like He played every instrument except the drums like on the album so it's like you know he played all of james and darcy's roles anyway just not live and so i feel like the only thing he didn't play was the drums and that that you know that to me spoke volumes of like well that's why jimmy or jimmy chamberlain was most important i guess
2: because I, I had to do what he does
3: yeah even though for me as like a young gay boy i had such a crush on james eha with like that stripe in his hair, I was like, yes.
2: With this Pepe Le Pew gray streak. Yeah. Producer. This is like you yeah. and
3: something for me for some reason.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I really believe that. Um, and, and you'll see it in, in one of my picks uh, for, for my favorite songs uh, that, that James and Darcy don't get nearly enough love. Now they might not necessarily be, and who, who knows writing performing this, that, whatever. There's a, there's a, there's a presence to the band as well. I mean, I think there should be. There should. It should be said that uh, there's a diversity in them,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, in, in in sort of what they bring aesthetically and culturally to this band, which I think is also an important component that people I think gloss over. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's it's a bummer that. Um, heroin sucks drugs are stupid and it's a shame that this you know what i mean like I, I just i don't know what else to say other than that it's, yeah. it's just it's just a shame that um we didn't get 20 more albums out of them uh at sort of the peak of their powers um well in a way we kind of did with all the b-sides
3: <laughs> like and and like that's you true. know alternate takes of songs
2: <laughs> that's actually a really good point it's it's you know it's I don't know. I own the the that beautiful vinyl that they have of uh, Melancholy, um, mm-hmm. and I have the vinyl of of Adore and 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 Siamese Dream as well. But the deluxe sort of super editions online that have like literally thirty more songs on them, and you're just like, yeah. there is there is an embarrassment of riches when it comes to to uh, to Billy Corgan's output for sure.
3: Because I remember, um, like, I didn't yeah. get Airplane Flies High until high school. I got it on mm-hmm. eBay because i i didn't get it at the time and i remember just like being like holy shit there is so many so many songs on this that i've just never heard you know like obviously and like even airplane flies high another song that i really love a lot um it was just you know what other bands really like had that you know
2: yeah it's i think i think you probably had a similar feeling uh to to me when i bought it which was holy shit, like it, it is a treasure trove of just mm-hmm. like, you know, if, if you loved them at that moment, they just handed you, you know, something in the vicinity of 25 new songs, all of which were, you know, Almost as good, if not some of them better than the stuff that ended up on Melancholy. Yeah. Um, but uh, so basically, the band gives interviews saying that that Melancholy would be the last "quote unquote" conventional Pumpkins record, uh, and that rock had become stale. James Iha says future: the future is electronic music. It seems boring just to play rock music now. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't necessarily wrong. I mean, I, yeah. I, I th- but but electronic music is it's a different mode. And as we see, they do a song called "I," which is on the Lost Highway soundtrack, which is a great fucking song. Yeah, and uh, it becomes clear that like drum machines and like electronic music is where they're going to go. If for no other reason, because uh, Jimmy Chamberlain is in. Uh, <laughs> in they don't have a drummer. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's like,
3: because uh, yeah, I no remember, uh, like, I, because, like, I love Adore, and I think it's like, it's a very underrated album of theirs, but I think it's so different than what came before that at the time, I think I was very disappointed in it because I was so into melancholy. And then going to Adore, I was like, well, this is completely different. But I think over time, I've like come to appreciate that about it.
2: You know? It's, it's, it's a. I think it's an album that, in hindsight, a lot of people respect a lot more than they did at the time. Yeah. Um, I think that Billy's hand was forced with obviously the Jimmy Chamberlain of it all. um, And it forced him to make a creative decision to alter the course of the band at the worst possible time. Like, I think that, you know, if a door comes four or five albums down the road after they've followed up Melancholy three or four times over, um, perhaps people are like, okay, sure. But, Right at that moment when Britney Spears is blowing up and like all you know, pop is just taking yeah. over the airwaves. <laughs> and then you put out this kind of deeply esoteric, very sort of sad album about the Goth- I mean, it's like Goth Rock. Yeah. Yeah. and it's you know, and and I I think it's I actually I was listening to it as I'm sure you have been listening to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins over the past week or so. The production of Adore is really beautiful. I mean Billy so produced lush. the whole thing. Yeah. It's really lush. Um and, and the and the aesthetic that went with it, which was full on like emo goth, uh, yep. sepia tone, everyone's wearing black with black eyeliner, and it's basically his cure album, if we're being honest, but it's I, I quite like it. But that yeah,
3: comes out it, yeah. It was just yeah, sorry, you, you give no, me no. no screen. No, tell us, I just, tell us what it happened. It
2: doesn't do. It doesn't do well. Is all I was going to say. No one, yeah. <laughs> one gave a shit about it. Go ahead.
3: Well, I think it's the thing too. Like like you were saying of like coming after melancholy and all of like the big rock pop um, singles coming going into like Ava adore as like that next single is very different in <laughs> yeah. tone than what came yeah. before it. But the music video for Ava adore I think is so cool I and do is too. so beautiful and it was like. I think I was able to forgive not forgive. Cause that, maybe that's not the right word. I think I was more willing to embrace whatever they had coming mm-hmm. because like that music video was so cool. And like, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I, I, I trusted them at the time and I still, you know, I still will for the next couple albums of theirs
2: yeah it's you know it I remember it- it was it was a long gestation period as well, which it's it's ironic that like three years felt like a long time for an album to come out back in the nineties, but it was right <laughs> yeah. the turnaround of albums was just much much faster now you know it takes a couple years, and that's what it is um but so it takes three years for a door to come out and I'm just you know obviously chomping at the bit just can't fucking wait for it to come out um and similar to yourself found myself um looking for something that wasn't there and thus was a little bit disappointed, I think at the mm-hmm. time, Um, you know, perfect is kind of a sequel to, to 1979, which is, and it's, and it's a fine single and it, and it literally, the video is a sequel to the sequel yeah. f- to the first song um to 1979. So it, 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 it kind of, there's a harmony to it a little bit, but it's not, it's just not what I think people really wanted from the band. It's also like, it's a pretty long album considering it's not a double yeah. album, but it's still a long album. Um,
3: and it's another album where they recorded a like shit ton of songs that did make it on the album.
2: Yeah.
3: And then a lot of those song sh- songs showed up on Machina too, which we'll talk about in a minute, because mm-hmm. I have yeah. thoughts.
2: I'm curious to your thoughts about that. Yeah. Uh, so basically what happens is they tour that they tour a door, but they don't I mean they, they don't really do a lot of they do. A handful, a 17-day, 15-city charity North American tour, all told the band donated $2.8 million to charity. Entirely, 100% of the tickets went to sales of local charity organizations, which is awesome. That's, uh, you know, that's good. It's super nice of them. Uh, yeah, so I then, like that. Right. Yeah so then so now we're now we are we are at 1999 uh, the band surprises fans by reuniting with a rehabilitated Jimmy Chamberlain for a brief tour dubbed the Arising which showcased both new and classic material the lineup was short-lived however and the band announced the departure of Darcy Retzky in September of 99 uh, during work on the album for Machina the Machines of God um, no one really knows why Darcy left the band or was shown the door or whatever but it seems as though physical mental just kind of wear on her from being mm-hmm. in this band for as long as it was. And quite frankly, it seems at least from her perspective that Jimmy Chamberlain was given years to get over his problems. She was given three months and they were like, you got three months to get your shit together. <laughs> and if you don't, you're out of the band. Uh, and that's kind of what happened. Um, they fill her slot in the band with former whole bassist Melissa Oftomar, um, who was recruited for the sacred and profane tour in support of the album and appeared in the videos accompanying its release. We see her in the video for the everlasting gaze. Um, I kind of feel bad for Melissa oftenmar She's a great bassist. Oh, She's fucking awesome. Yeah. And she just like, gets this like <laughs> shitty, like it just sucks for her, but
3: it's like the uh, start yeah. of Billy Corgan, like using bassists <laughs> Cause I think yeah. did the same thing with Swan too. Like, mm-hmm. like, he like pulled all these really good musicians together and then just kind of like did his own thing and got mad at them for not doing what he wanted them to do.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it is disappointing that he doesn't seem to really recognize how important the, it is to the like that a cohesion is to the fans. Like he thinks that it's just about the music itself. And that I think is the significant disconnect That leads to their downfall in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's one of those things where like, it's, it's like when, when showrunners think cast members can come and go, for instance. Yeah. And, and viewers are like, yeah, no, not so much. Like I, I kind of actually, I'm invested in these people.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, there is a cohesion to the family of a band, you know, and, and like it, you know, you make, beautiful music together like that's the whole point of it and if there is that sort of people coming in and out like a revolving door of just like new people i feel like things sort of don't feel the same and if it it feels like you know if billy corgan were a showrunner he'd be the person who puts his name on every episode even though he didn't write it Uh, uh, but in billy's case he did write every episode (laughs) in a way where it's like maybe let someone else like like have a shot at this because like yeah want to hear something different
2: that's a really astute way of putting it. It does feel like Billy Corgan would put his name on every episode. I, you know, and 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 listen, I don't necessarily. I'm sure you're you you feel similar to me. I don't necessarily have a problem with that if you have no. done that. Like if you've put yeah. the work in, and you feel as though your your uh, name should be on it, then so be it. Um, all that being said, Darcy has shown the door. Uh, and Machina comes out and it, it kind of flops. It doesn't do very well. Um, it, it's also, this is the moment when they fulfilled their contract, is the other thing that should be said, right? So they've done, yeah. uh, they've, they have fulfilled the amount of albums they need to with Virgin, um, which was always kind of the point, it feels like to some degree or another. Um, and Machina, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on Machina, because I know that you like it a little bit more than I do. Yes. Um, you know, to me, and then I obviously want to hear what you think of it. I, I It feels a little bit like the album they think we want. Yeah. Um, as opposed to perhaps one that, that they're as passionate about.
3: I think the problem to <clears throat> me with the album is just that it's a concept album, but like actually a concept album yes. in a yes. way where it's like, okay, well, like maybe I don't need a through line for like all of this stuff. And you can just like make good music and not have it all have to be like thematically similar, you know? Yeah. um because it's like i'm like don't get me wrong i love a good concept album but i think it's just again not really what people wanted and i know he likes to say billy corgan likes to say that melancholy is a concept album but it's really not like it's like disparate songs that are all just like on an album together which is cool again that's why i love it but for machina being a concept album about like this like You know, the Glass family or whatever that, like, I can't remember exactly what the story is. It's, it's, I tried so hard to pay attention to it and I was like, I don't understand what this is. I just want to hear good music. But it's like, there are some songs in the album that I really like a lot. Like, Stand Inside Your Love, I think it's a great song. Everlasting Gaze is like, is good. Yeah. You know, and like, try, try, try. try. Also, a great song.
2: It's, it's, there, there are some very good songs on it. I I don't mean to suggest that there aren't. I think it's just, um, and this is sort of, I, I think that, just to kind of wrap this up and then we'll we'll kind of come back to this a little bit but basically uh May 2000, May 23rd, 2000, Billy Corgan announces the band is breaking up. The group's final album before the breakup is Machina 2, The Friends and Enemies of Modern Music. That's the name of the album, everybody. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about subtlety. Uh it's released uh, in September of 2000 in a limited pressing on vinyl with the permission and instructions for free distribution by the on the internet by fans. Uh only 25 copies were cut. It's gone Viral for whatever that's worth. You can get it if you want it. It's out there. Uh, Originally, the band asked Virgin to offer Machina 2 as a free download to anyone who bought Machina, but the record label declined. (laughs) sure? Um, And then they played a final show December 2000 at at the Cabaret Metro in Chicago, which was where it all started, which was their first performance. Um, Yeah, so the thing about Machina to me is that it feels a little bit like... um, it feels like every band comes to a point sort of where they have to decide, do we want to keep doing what we're doing or do we want to try to break that mold a little bit and zig where, where everybody thinks we're going to zag. Right. Um, and some bands are able to successfully do that. Your kid A's, uh, your C changes, your, whatever the case might be of bands that are able to sort two of two
3: great, great albums, by the way, tremendous. tremendous two albums. of my favorite um, albums. <laughs> they're fucking great. <laughs> I love them <laughs> both.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. But you know, I, I look at at Machina like I look at uh Beck's Wero, where it's like he just kinda made an album that he feels like people want him to make now. Um, and and Machina just feels a little bit like it's going through the motions at times.
3: Man, I don't that is you- such a that is such a good uh, music dork like <laughs> comparison. Because when, when Wero came out, I was yeah. so like, oh my god, yes, new Beck. And I listened to it and I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> This is not what I want at all. I hate this I album. And I still I honestly don't like it. I don't like um, but, but for Machina, I think it was a little bit of the same. But then when I downloaded Machina 2, I like Machina 2 so much more than the than Machina 1 because there's so many better songs on it. It's It has like a rougher sound to it, you know? Because obviously it's mostly unfinished. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, which is another tragedy of the song because or the album, because I think also like he, Billy wanted Machina to be a double album again. And Virgin was like, mm-hmm. fuck no, you don't make any money anymore. You can't do that. <laughs> so that's why they released it for free because they're like, well, shit, what are we going to do with this? And they just like gave yeah. it out, which for me, you know, a little miscreant in the internet. I was like, yes, give me the album for free. <laughs> and it was like, I just like, there's so many good songs on it and it's so beautiful. And it's like that the fuzziness of it kind mm-hmm. of like lends itself mm-hmm. to the charm of it in a way. And it and it kind of like what I wanted Machina One to be, but Machina One was so polished and like this like really glossy hard rock kind of way that I just like don't really like
2: I think that's part of why machina didn't work as well is that I mean there's a bunch of things working against this Smashing pumpkins at this point, so on some level, it would have taken a miracle for this thing to work for them first of all, pop music is obviously just blowing up the airway, so like people are kind of done with this version of alt rock and then you know as you said very polished very sort of like um i mean the the first <laughs> the first lyric on the album is billy screaming you know i'm not dead like it's it's just an attempt <laughs> so so <Yeah>. boldly <laughs> to be like please don't bury me i'm not dead yet um it's kind of because like, and it it was, it's
3: sad too, because it felt like they were trying to also kind of like veer almost into like the new metal sensibilities in some Mm -hmm. of the songs Mm -hmm. in a way where I was like, no, that's not what I want. Like, again, I want more like melancholy Siamese dream. Mm -hmm. Like, and not that I want them to do the same things forever, but I think it's like, one of the things that I love about, you know, kid a and sea change was that it was so different than what became, like what came before. Mm -hmm. And unlike anything else I'd also heard before, and it felt like Machina sounded like something I could just get off of, like, you know, whatever random shitty hard rock band was around at the time. It just felt very, like, middle-of-the-road of that kind of music.
2: Uh, totally. I, I You know, it's funny. As you were talking there, I keep thinking that, like, Billy got his hand forced into making a C-change in a Kid A with a door. It's not mm-hmm. what he wanted to do. He wanted to keep making Melancholies, is the impression that I get. But... You know, obviously with, with Jimmy's overdose and or or his drug addiction, what have you, uh, he got forced into being pushed into a lane. And and quite frankly, I think a door is one of the best sort of left mm-hmm. turns a band has done. It's just not what we wanted at that moment from them. And uh and then this hard pivot backwards, back towards the mainstream with Machina is. Yeah, so things, your slip knots and your corns at the time is not what we wanted. Either.
3: And I think that's what I mean because I think it's like from melancholy to a door. I was like, okay, cool, I'm on board for this. This is like a different lane that I wasn't expecting. But then from a door to Machina, I was like, wait, this just sounds bad. Like I just don't like this. <laughs> like this is just like boring, like Nickelback. You know, it's like better Nickelback to me at the time. And again, like there, were, like there are a handful of songs on it that I, I like a lot. And actually, one of my favorite songs on Machina too. Apparently, yeah, the song Home. Um, it's such a beautiful song, but apparently it was supposed to like the legend goes uh that it was supposed to be the lead single on a door uh and I think virgin was all ready to like make this a lead single, and Billy got pissed and he pulled it off the album and of course that to me is like oh, it's a, of course it's something that Billy <laughs> Morgan is gonna fucking do, but it's like such a yeah. good song and if and like it sounds like it would fit right in on that album
2: <laughs> it's it's really funny it it's <sighs> You know, I, I did a, this is going to sound uh, off topic, but it, it, I swear it makes sense. I, I did an episode of, of another podcast, um, uh, You're Missing Out, uh, where they talk about the the various movies that are put into the National uh, Registry of, of uh, Historical Registry, what have you. And I did it on Sons uh, of Boulevard. And one of the things about Sons of Boulevard that, that, that really hits home for me is this idea that Hollywood doesn't run on money, it runs on relevancy. And that idea that when you become... Quote unquote irrelevant. That idea that like when people don't care about you as much, that's what kills you. Like that's the thing that drives you crazy. We're seeing it with the current occupant of the Oval Office as well, um, where this idea of relevancy, this idea of like, you have to pay attention to me eats away at people when they find themselves at a certain level of fame. And Billy Corgan seems like the type of person who got a taste for it. And it's like, you're going to have to drag me off the fucking stage um and that's a bump because yeah you know
3: i think it and again it's like it it almost feels like the common denominator of the the smashing pumpkins sort of falling apart and their music not being as good is billy corgan (laughs) and it's like and then like i know that sounds kind of harsh but i think it's like after machina you know obviously they broke up or whatever and then they kind of came back 12 years later with uh Oce- oceana oceana I think. yeah I think and like i was it. so excited and i listened <laughs> to album and i was just like this is just <laughs> it's yeah, like I'm, if if machine if a to machina was like as like it, you know a zag when i think you should have zigged like yep. oceana was just like a like a, a wet fart I was Actually, just so disappointed.
2: Between, uh, my apologies, uh, between um, uh, Oceana and Machina is an album called Zeitgeist. You remember that one? No. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's,
3: and I, I know I listened to it and I don't remember yeah. it.
2: <laughs> it's, he, there is something, I, I would argue that that the, the Smashing Pumpkins career post Machina or Machina 2 can basically be summed up in that meme that was floating around of Billy sitting on that little fucking table uh, in a theme park, sitting on this, on this
3: little he's fucking like making the face, right? He's, he's yeah. making
2: this stink face. He's angry. He doesn't want to be yeah. there, and it's just, and it obviously caught fire because he's a he's sort of a gigantic person in this tiny little kid's train. But it's also just it's similar to the like the Cure, Get in Losers. We're gonna go crying. Like there's just yeah. something about him just not understanding that he doesn't he just doesn't matter anymore
3: which and it's so sad too because like he really does matter i think it's just like he's he thinks that what he's making is so thoughtful and these concept albums are so big and like mind-provoking and for me i'm just like this music just doesn't sound good <laughs> like i'm i'm totally cool if you want to make concept albums as long as they sound yeah. sonically pleasing
2: yeah
3: like yeah. shit man like i love tommy great album concept album it's great
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's I will say there are probably more whiffs than than home runs when it comes to concept albums because it's a mm-hmm. tough needle to thread. Yeah. Um and, you know, I think that it works in the case of Melancholy, because to your point, you know, it's the whole like, you know, uh Sunrise, sunset, yin and yang—sort of that, like dawn and dusk, like and all dust of this thing. sort of, yeah. Book. Like there's, there is some, there is something nice to that, um, and it's a big umbrella with which to bake as many stories as you want underneath it. But, but to your point, when he goes full on with Machina, for instance, where like you could, you could go down a rabbit hole on the internet trying to explain that album away, but it still doesn't make any fucking sense.
3: And like it doesn't, not that it has to make sense. It just again, as long as the songs sound good, and the songs of it to me, like a lot of them just didn't sound good, and like it still bums me out. Like I was like, I wanted it to be good, and it wasn't to me what I wanted. You know, in a way that was different from how I felt about a door.
2: I remember also feeling like, um, you know, so melancholy comes out obviously. I mean, it's probably my top three favorite albums of all time, if I'm being completely mm-hmm. honest. Um, and you know, then Adore comes out, and and Adore comes out. I'm I'm 18 years old at this point. I'm 19 when when Everlasting Gaze comes out. Like I'm now perhaps aging out of the Smashing Pumpkins a little bit in terms of like being right in the lane for them or in the pocket for mm-hmm. them. Um, and then Everlasting Gaze, the 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 video comes out. And um, did you watch the video by any chance recently? Yeah. I mean, I I actually...
3: I don't know if I still have it, but one of my most played DVDs I used to own was like all of their music videos.
2: <laughs> I have it on my shelf right over yeah. here. Yeah, it's it's the best. Um and, and and this is a good opportunity I want to talk about all their music videos here, but just yeah. to specifically talk about Everlasting Gaze. It, it's uh it comes out December 9th, 1999. It's directed by Jonas Ackerlund, um who has gone on to have quite an illustrious music video career, uh still sure. making music videos with Lady Gaga. He did um yeah, Telephone, with the Lady Gaga Beyonce video. Unfamiliar. Um, unfamiliar with that one?
3: Yeah, I don't know who, uh, oh, who, Beyonce.
2: Yeah, okay. sure. Um, and I, I think it's a good video. Um, I think it's an interesting yeah. video. Uh, I like the metatextual kind of halfway through the video, you get the cuts to actual digital video of the sort of the making of the video and it's like trying to sort of deconstruct itself a little bit, which is kind of cool. It felt very of the late 90s yes
3: like it, yes. it's it is like it is like green toned it's very yes, the, like everyone is
2: like yeah yeah
3: everyone's wearing black there's like people yeah. wearing like there's like tank tops but not really tank tops but they're <laughs> super form-fitting and they're made of like latex yeah, yeah people with like blue hair you know it's like nah. it's like everyone feels like they're in the matrix
2: Every, everyone absolutely feels like they're in the Matrix. Uh, the floor is, is a shade of green that we basically is now green screen. So I yeah. always kept thinking, like, is something going to happen to the floor to make it turn into something? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, it's it's a very strange uh, aesthetic that kind of had a moment, to your point, in the late 90s. You've got yeah. Melissa Oftmar in this very form-fitted, white leather outfit where, like, part of her boob is showing for no particular reason other than I guess, cause she's attractive. Yeah. Um, and it's just sort of like it's, and, and Billy's in this oddly leather form fitting dress onesie sort of thing that I can't, or it's, it's very strange. Um, but it's a cool video. Um, the song, just to, to give our... our <laughs> you know, I'm not dead. There's So, uh, Billy said that, that this song has, quote-unquote, a lot to do with spirituality and trying to find my place in the universe and sort of humbly accepting limitations and the things that I've been graced with. It's more of a humanistic worldview. I'm not writing anymore for the torture teen, both me and whoever's listening. I'm writing with the idea that everybody's experiencing these things all the time, and even if you're not experiencing them personally, they're affected by them. You can live in the street and write about the garbage or you can try to get up a little higher and look down and try to see the bigger picture i don't know what any of that means but that's that what is he said the song nonsense is
3: <laughs> that's that's what that means that means that is nonsense <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the music video uh because yeah. i watched it earlier sure. uh one of like the top youtube comments was uh back when the band could afford to destroy their gear <laughs> and i was
2: like oh god that's, that's so mean. a brutal brutal assessment there's also This song, so, and this, this, the Smashing Pumpkins have a tendency to do this. Billy has a tendency to do this, where he'll kind of break form and the whole song will just drop out and he'll just recite angry poetry at you because that's Mm -hmm. what he does. As he does in this song where he says... (laughs) We all want to hold in the everlasting gaze enchanted in the rapture of his sentimental sway, but underneath the wheels lies the skull of every cog, the fickle fascination of an everlasting god you know i 'm not dead i don 't know what any of that means it sounds interesting, it sounds like cool and big and interesting, yeah, but it, I mean it, what it, it now means feels is, hollow
3: yeah well because it, it's a it 's a fucking concept album it 's it going to be like and related to like whatever the concept is <laughs> it 's like why I hated it. I was just like this is such nonsense. <laughs> You know, like, it's you know, I think of like my, you know, and I, we'll get into our favorite Smashing Pumpkin mm-hmm. song. But my favorite mm-hmm. Pumpkin songs are always the ones that were so like universal about like growing up or like whatever, yes, you know, yes, or like, yes. but also that just sounded good. <laughs> Music that sounded nice.
2: It's, you know, it really kind of comes down to one word for me, which is melody. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's a really beautiful writer, um, of music and of lyrics. And, and when those things are all speaking to each other, um, you know, th- there's a really, they they make really beautiful music. It's yeah. when he's angry and gnashing his teeth at something that I, that it just rings a little false for me at times.
3: Yeah. Because it felt like the, I mean, and I, again, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with what they're making musically right now. I tried to listen to like a new song earlier and I just couldn't get through it. But yeah. it just felt like he got so jaded and it kind of bled into the music in a way. You know, where he was, like, getting angry at the listener for not getting it. And I think that's when I started to tune out where I was, like, in parts of Machina where I was like, okay, now you're just, like, you're talking literal nonsense right now. Like, get back to, like, like where's the music, bud? You know? <laughs> play the hits.
2: Yeah. Yeah, play no, I- the
3: hits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> play Landslide. <Yeah. laughs> least someone else's hit. Yeah, it's it's no. I I, I agree with you. It, it's it's a slippery slope, and and you know this is also at a totally different time in music. Like I, I imagine that we have some listeners, maybe hopefully, uh, that are on the younger side, and you know it's hard to really convey to people what music was like. You know, quite frankly, pre Napster. You know, before the yeah. digital revolution to music, music was not just. You know, unbelievably lucrative. But it was also just um it was you didn't I don't know, it, it almost didn't feel as as sort of tactile. The idea that like when a single came out, you had to be like next to a radio to hear it. Like these ideas now are so foreign because music is yeah. immediately accessible to you. It, it and, makes it that much more passionate, you
3: know? And especially like, because I think we're of a similar generation, even though I am much, much younger than you. Um yeah, 21. 21, yeah. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> very young. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fetus. <laughs> but like, you know, we were of the same age where it's like, uh, you know, you would go to school or whatever you were doing. And you had, if you had a CD player, I had a CD player. Maybe you had like a beta I, master player.
2: I, I don't know what you guys had back then. I had a CD player, you son of a bitch. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but like, you would carry like maybe one to two CDs with you because that's like the most you could carry. Yeah. And so like, you would listen to those albums over and over again. And for me, like that was like the smashing pumpkins and Radiohead and Beck were like the, like those were the band, like those were like the musical acts yep. that I was like getting really into. And so like, if I, it's so interesting now, cause like you would hear a song and you're like, I don't like this. And you would just move on with your day, but we would have to buy the albums to hear the songs. And if we didn't like it, what are you supposed to do? You now you own it. <laughs> You know,
2: and it's like like, a lot of money for it too. By the way, like, and so I think we
3: would like, and we're of the generation where we would give albums more shots because now we have paid upwards of twenty dollars for them Mm -hmm. uh, to own them, and so it's just it was so different back then. Like you said too, like you would buy a single. Like I remember buying singles on cassettes, Ah, yeah, Yeah. and like just like what a like what a world, you know. It feels like we're like in the dark ages.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's. I mean, it's funny you say that. Because as you were talking about, like having that, you know, you'd have a handful of CDs with you. If you were lucky, you could carry like three or four of them in your backpack or whatever. Um, there's a generation that will never know the sheer aggravation of a of a skipping CD and a disc man.
3: Oh man, especially when it's like <laughs> one of your favorite songs too. I remember I went through like two copies of Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot because I'm a sure. hipster asshole. But, like, but I think it's because I just listened to that album so many times, and I like I would take it from my car to my CD mm-hmm. player. Cause I, I, didn't, I didn't have a CD player in my car. I had like the tape deck that yep. you would hook up to the CD yep. player. Mm-hmm. And then also like, I think people don't, or children these days probably don't uh, realize like how revolutionary like electronic shock protection was Ugh. where Ugh. like, cause before that, when you had a CD player and didn't have that, you heard those skips and it would
2: scratch your CD. <laughs> <laughs> you, heard, it, it, it was, it, I can't articulate for our listeners who maybe don't know what we're talking about that when you're stuck on a subway or you're stuck on a bus yeah and you know you've got a half hour till you get home and you just really want to listen to this fucking song and it's just skipping and it just, just sucks it's just and, and it, it's i remember when i got my first ipod which was Probably in my first or second year, first year of, of university. Um, it was a fucking game changer. <laughs> like, yeah. it literally changed my entire life that I never had to hear a skipping CD again. Yeah. Uh, you know, and those, you know, the the case logic s- cases that you would put your CDs in, which you'd slide them in and out and you'd scratch the fuck out of them by, yep. by sliding them in and out of these things. It was just a nightmare. Um, because
3: I, I, yeah. and that, that was the other, like, the game changer too. Like, when they had, like, the 10. Like the little ten pack book, you know, and I would have that in my backpack. Mm-hmm. But it was like then you—it's like you're you're curating your like music mm-hmm. like, like for like the yep. week. We're like, Ooh, I'm gonna like swap in some new albums like this week. <laughs> like, what am I gonna pick? And then like you have like the fucking stupid visor in your car, you know? Yeah. Yep. And you would just yep. like, and then that also it, it, another game changer, and you know, I, I feel like we were like living through history every day, but it's like we could be able to burn mix CDs oh my God. and like how cool Huge. that
2: was. Huge. Yeah. I also just, you know, as is the case, I'm sure, with people still to a certain degree, but, you know, I remember either flipping through or having a girl flip through my CD case and thinking, like, this is a big fucking deal. Like, what's in there? This, this is defining yeah. you as a person. Um, it was a very big deal. Uh, now, yeah. I mean, fuck, I don't know, but I, it's all of this is just to say that, you know, it was just a different time in music. And I think that, you know, Billy couldn't exist today in music. I I mean, there are very few artists that can exist today because of how sort of, I don't don't know. It it does feel like, what does it mean to be a big music artist right now? It feels very temporal to me. I, I don't, but I'm older. So I mean, what do I know?
3: But I think too, and like, to your point, it was just like, With music videos and CDs, it just felt like people were, you know, like back in my day, people paid more attention to music. And so it really did feel like, uh, you know, especially for like Tonight Tonight, like you see that music video and -hmm. you're like, what is this song? I need to buy this album. But these days it's like, you know, you hear, you know, WAP by Cardi B and (laughs) Magnus Stallion, You're like, yeah, I'll buy this single, but there is no album to buy anymore. It feels like everything these days is just singles.
2: No, I, I absolutely agree with you. It's the, you know, so in terms of the Smashing Pumpkins videos, because I do think that it's worth talking about for a second here, because I do feel like this was a time when music videos were, I mean, you had MTV, you had TRL, you had, you know, music videos played on loop.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot,
2: And their music videos were pretty groundbreaking at the time. Mm-hmm. I still think they're pretty groundbreaking. And some mm-hmm. of the artists, I mean, uh, some of their directors, you know, Dayton and Ferris did the tonight tonight video, which is I think one of the best music videos ever made, even of if all it is, time, it's just, it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and Dayton and Ferris, I believe did, uh, did the video for today as well. Like I do think that there were a lot of really interesting filmmakers that came out of, uh, out of their music videos. Um, I mean, Disarm is a beautiful music video. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, they, they really sort of, um, they they really kind of broke ground with their music videos in an accessible way. You know what I mean? I can sit here yeah. and talk to you about, you know, about how much I love Bjork and Radiohead's music videos, and Lord knows, someday I'm sure I will. But, um, you know, Michelle Gondry, Spike Jones, Chris Cunningham, these are very different filmmakers. Um, yeah. You know, the video for 1979 uh, is, I mean, I, 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 feels like a moment feels like it captured and, kids in that. And moment.
3: I think that's, 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 that's sort of my point too, where it's like you would use your music video to get across the tone of the song. Yep. And I feel like it, it, I mean, I think that still happens. I, I just don't feel like music videos are as big as they used to be. Um, but it's like the music video for like 1979 defines what the theme of 1979 is in a way that makes me love the song even more, you know, like yep. tonight, tonight, is just this big otherworldly literally like Mm -hmm. epic song and the music video is exactly that Mm -hmm. and so i don't i don't i just don't think that music does that anymore where like i think only in like rap do like beyonce and like kendrick lamar like make these awesome big epic music videos Mm -hmm. it just feels like it, it just doesn't really happen anymore except for like these super huge people
2: yeah. It, I mean, it feels like it's kind of lemonade or bust now a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? Like if, if if you can, you know, I don't want to say elevate because I, we obviously both love music videos, but um, just sort of that that idea of taking it to another level produ- production wise and otherwise, like it's just a, it's an enormous thing. Thing, uh, yeah. it's an enormous undertaking. Um, whereas back in the day, you know, you mentioned the the sort of the synergy of the music video for 1979 and the song. I mean, this is that's that is sort of a perfect example of they are now one. Like those two things have yeah. kind of blended together, and now when I hear that song, it conjures up the images of those kids in that music video so perfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, similarly with tonight's night, which again, very different. Aesthetic, very different tone, but but those things are sort of speaking to each other is is really um, rare, you know. We because just,
3: I think, and I was like of the right age too. As a teenager, I was just doing like, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. like the, the Italian, like, hey yo, I'm putting my fingers up in the air. I'm making a point here. Uh, but it's like I was of the age at the time where it's like you know I would drive around with my friends. and would listen to the Smashing Pumpkins, just like driving aimlessly around yeah. our boring ass suburban town. Like, I would get up into my, like, spaceship and fly off into the moon, like, and tonight, tonight, Mm -hmm. like, I would do those things. Yeah. But it's just, like, you know, like, it's just, it encapsulates the song so well. And, like, the mid-90s were just, like, it for music videos. Like, that was, like, the time. Like, Foo Fighters, like, Nirvana before Kurt Cobain killed himself. Like, like, those were, like, that was was the thing. And it was so big. And it bums me out that it's just not as... Because even as a kid, I was, like, I wanted to get into like writing music videos. Cause I was like, how do I do that? And it's like, just not a thing that happens anymore.
2: Yeah. I mean, th- they still make them, but I agree with you. It's, it's, I mean, f- I think the biggest, ultimately the biggest problem is that MTV doesn't show them. Right. So it's yeah. just the, the, the vehicle for music videos now is purely online. Um, which means that the music video needs to be either, you know, unbelievably audacious, like, you know, a, a Cardi B song, which more power to her. Great um, music or, video. Or, Great music videos. Or it needs to be like super artsy, esoteric, indie, whatever the case might be, where like, you know, Spike Jones decides he wants to do another music video or whoever, um, and, and they do something that's really interesting. Um, but to your point yeah, it's like Paul it is, Thomas
3: Anderson is like best friends with Haim, which is yeah. amazing. But it's also like yeah. Man,
2: it's <laughs> like I, I mean, listen. I, I love, I love Heim. Uh, I love Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson. Um, I'm not sure that together they're necessarily breaking new ground. <laughs> like their it's music videos them, are fine, but like
3: it's always just them like walking around, and I'm like, wait, <laughs> you have these two amazing like I know, I know. artistic forces, and they come together, yeah. and it's just them like walking down Ventura Boulevard, and I'm like, wait, yeah. what?
2: It's like no. listen listen Paul, I love Cantors too.
3: Yeah, cantors is right. great.
2: But like, what are we doing? You just decided to put one put Danielle behind the, the deli counter and just filmed her up singing is. a song?
3: No, like put, like put Haim in like in Phantom Thread. That's what I want to see. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. Exactly. Um, well, do you want to, let's, let's talk about our our, our top 10 Smashing Pumpkins songs. Yeah. Um, you want to alternate and start from the bottom and work our way up? Is, is that your, yeah, you cool sure. That? And let me, okay. I have, yeah. I kind of have, um, yeah, I have like 11 ish so um do you you said you had a little more than that do you want to do your bottom however many until you get to 11
3: uh you want me to start at the bottom and go up go up yeah so i think bottom would probably be be, i i couldn't decide between disarm uh or soma
2: okay okay
3: uh two two songs that i really like a lot i think disarm is also like the sound of the 90s to me yeah you know like that and like cranberries like uh fucking like linger linger well not no dreams
2: oh dreams sure 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 yeah of course yeah. you know it's like yep. they're
3: both songs that i can imagine like uh claire danes running down the street and in, in flannel too you know
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know exactly yeah, I what see it in my dreams about. every night yeah. yes
3: yeah yeah like crying because because jordan catalano can't read
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh so is that your what number is that for you i would say that's like 10 and 10 and 11 okay um so i'm gonna cheat a little bit just out of the gate and just say that because i wanted to kind of acknowledge how great their covers are um i I really love uh my blue heaven landslide a night like this dancing in the moonlight um you know those are those are four phenomenal covers and i kind of wanted to put them in their own box and just say like i love those songs uh, but they're not their songs so i you know it doesn't seem fair to say that that would be my favorite uh so at number eleven i have i the uh the the lost highway track um mm-hmm. which i remember hearing for the first time whenever it was and thinking like oh fuck like this is this is them doing like Marilyn manson nine inch nails now like they're they're yeah. they're they're pivoting into that world, um, and they're and they're surrounded by those bands on the Lost Highway soundtracks, so it made mm-hmm. sense. Um, but it was really sort of the moment when I was like, "Well, they're not the band that I think they are anymore," which isn't necessarily yep. a bad thing, but it was like an eye opening thing. No pun intended.
3: It was the first time um, I also like realized what a drum machine was because I was like, "Wait, that's yes. not a real person playing the drums, is it?" Right.
2: Right. <laughs> um, at number ten, I have uh, said sadly, okay. um, which I really love. Um it is a B-side uh off of Tonight Tonight I believe on the aeroplane aeroplane flies high. Um I love it cuz Billy doesn't sing on it. It's Darcy <laughs> and James. Um and it's one of the very rare opportunities that he lets them fucking sing um yeah. lead on something even though I guess they all sing on farewell and goodnight at the end of uh, melancholy. But um It's just a really pretty song. Also, Mm -hmm. James and Darcy had a relationship of some sort. Um, So the song really kind of encapsulates, I think, that. Um, It's just a really pretty song that feels a little bit sort of like, uh, I wanted to acknowledge that lane that didn't get a lot of acknowledgement in its moment. What's Um, your number nine? My
3: number nine is Ava Adore. Nice. Um, Because it's just like such a fun song. Um, And I love, again, like I love the music video. Uh, perfectly encapsulates, like, what the song is. Just, like, dark, goth rock, you know? And, like, the music video is so cool. Uh, what's, the, like, the line in the song? Uh, it's you that I adore, I'll always be your whore. <laughs> and, of course, I'm, like, 15 listening to that song, and uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah,
2: like, I'll always be your whore. And it's, like, something about, like, car crashes, too. Like, it's a lot of, like, um, yeah. a lot of weird sort of violent mytholo- uh, uh sort of lyric content mm-hmm. uh, it, it's 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 a it's a weird fucking song it's also weird, weird. it's a weird song because like you knew you were listening to an album that was at odds with itself when it yeah. opens with to which is a very sweet piano Beautiful. ballad yeah then there's like a 15 second uh quiet because they're like we're now about to go into a fucking crazy song about whores yeah. and car crashes, and then it goes into perfect. Like those three songs encapsulate the the problems that album has with itself. But
3: yeah, it's just such a yeah. It's, I think that's probably why I like it. It's because it was such a weird song, and like the beginning of like the the, the wop womp, wop, blah blah wop wop. I'm like, what is like? This is so different than what I was expecting. It, but like I like
2: it. You know, Yeah. I was into it. Yeah. Uh, at number nine, I have I have Soma, which um, love which I love. That song. Yeah. I, I, uh, innumerable, uh, afternoons playing, um, NHL hockey on my, uh, Sega Genesis, listening to mm-hmm. Soma. Very much a, a moment for me. Um, yeah, I, I, they're one of those bands that I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of long songs generally. I yeah. find them, I find them kind of trying. Um, this is one of those bands that they can do an eight minute song and I'm in.
3: Yeah. Uh, Agreed.
2: Soma is one of those songs. Yeah. What's your number?
3: Um, eight? Number eight, I have Home from Machina 2.
2: Nice.
3: Because it's just like, again, it's, a, it's such a beautiful song. And it's like sonically so much what I wanted more of uh, from Machina. You know? And it's like, because yep. it's, it's rocky, it's fuzzy, it's got like that weird chunky sound to it. Um, And I wish I could have heard the version that was supposed to be on a door. <laughs> I mean, I, but maybe not though, because I think that version might have been more produced, which is maybe not what I like about this song. Um, But it's, yeah. a, it's just a beautiful song. And I really like it a lot.
2: It's, it, it's funny as you say that, I, I was thinking about you know, there aren't a lot of bands that can do sort of high, high end production and also do stripped away and yeah. like actually make it work within the confines of what we think they're allowed to do, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are one of those bands to your point where like they can do some like weird, mono, shitty, you know, scrappy yeah. song. And then they can also do something gigantic with like, you know, massive strings and like all that sort of shit. So it's,
3: yeah, I think with Machina too, it wasn't really their choice because these, these songs are also unfinished <laughs> and
2: they just like push
3: them out on them on the yeah. internet because they were pissed yeah. at their record label, <laughs> <laughs> which again, relatable, you know,
2: fair, fair point. Yeah. Um, at number eight, I have the boy also from uh, airplane flies high, which is uh, mm-hmm. one of the B sides on the 1979 disc. Um, you know, I, I put a couple of these airplane flies high on here because I felt like um, they don't get a lot of love, and I also have some bigger singles near the top, so that is what it is. But um, yeah. it, it's, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's a punchy, fun song. I also kind of love, and I'm sure you notice this too, that um, the way that they bunch the songs together under each single feel akin to the single that they're a part of. Yes, you know what I mean. So, yep. like these songs evoke the feeling of 1979 or mm-hmm. tonight, tonight or zero. Um, so that's also really cool that it kind and of, what other feels-
3: band has ever done I that? Know, you know? know, it's like, it's so cool. I know. But also they have, that also just shows how many songs they had <laughs> that they could do that. It's like, Oh wow. Yeah. Maybe that's a yeah. <laughs> Uh What's
2: your, what's your uh, number? Eight? Uh, are you seven? I think, are we at seven? I think.
3: I yeah. think we're at seven. My seven yeah. is perfect from a door because again, it's like, the sequelness to 1979, which is on this list somewhere, I'm not going to tell you where, but it is like it—it uh, it, it, something about that song is just so beautiful um, and melodically so pleasing to me. But then mm-hmm. the music video being a sequel to the music video for 1979, which is one of my favorite music videos of all time, um, I thought was really and like the song is just really like sad and like there's a somberness to it, you know, that it makes you feel like you're growing up in a sad way.
2: Yeah, totally. I it, it's it's interesting, you know, you making that allusion to the 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 sort of filmmaking component of the 1979 music video and this music video for Perfect, where they're doing a bunch of stuff that I still don't really know how they did. I still yeah. don't know how they got those toilet paper shots where they threw the toilet and your and the cameras with the, the rolls of toilet there's paper.
3: A, there's a making up somewhere. I think oh, I, I okay. saw how they did it.
2: But uh, yeah, it's like, it's a
3: really cool, like, they're good music videos.
2: They're really good music videos. And they're like lo fi, but they feel like you're really there. Um, Yeah. You know, it's, as I'm sure you know, um, whenever you're, you're, filming or writing when as a writer you sit down and write a scene that takes place in a club or at a concert in your brain you're like well this is gonna suck because like it's never gonna feel like it feels like to be there and these two music videos actually do make you feel like you're with these kids and that you're really a part of what's going on yeah that's cool uh at number seven i have daphne descends from Mm -hmm. door um which i don't know Maybe it's because I just love the title, um, but there's just something very. Uh, it comes back to sort of what we were talking about with the production of A Door. There's this kind of crunchiness and weirdness and sort of yeah. noise, beautiful kind of noise that's always in the periphery of every song. And this song's just. I, I think there's something about when Billy picks a name or tells a story about a person and really kind of personifies it, um, it just really comes to life for me personally. I don't quite know why that is, but it's like, I feel like I yeah. know Daphne and it's, it's a, it's a really great song. So agreed. agree. Uh, what's your number six?
3: Uh, Stand inside your love. love I, I just love that song. It's just like, it was like the song that I wanted more of on Machina. Yes. Cause it's just like that sort of like loud rock vibe. Yeah. Um, but didn't sound as new metally. Um, it's also just a, such a sad like it's. It is also a whiny song. It's almost like not a you know, like a yes, an anthem for like sad boys who <laughs> aren't dating anybody. Like who like who mm. wouldn't be the one you love? Who wouldn't stand <laughs> inside your love? You know, that sort of like friend yeah. zoney thing. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. There's a definite. I mean, that that's that you could argue is. All of their songs. A current underneath every yeah. <laughs> Smashing Pumpkin song of yeah. just like, yeah. There's a lot of I don't I don't I, I don't like necessarily saying whiny, but there's definitely a lot of um uh. <laughs> what's the best way to put this? Not self-loathing, but just sort of like a lot of navel gazing. A lot of like, but yeah. why not me? Why yeah. can't you love me? Yeah, it's a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, number six, I have uh, Lily, my one and only. Good song it's, it's a really good song about stalking.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Again, another undercurrent for some of these other songs too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, I just, there's something very, again, it's, and I'm sure maybe this is, maybe this is a through line through most of the songs that I really love of theirs, but like, I just love a good storytelling, like a good storyteller. Um, and Billy can be a really great storyteller. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really like okay. that song what's your, what's your uh, number are you five? Are we five? yeah my
3: five yeah. you know I'm going to order reorder some of these around I'm going okay. to say oops uh,
2: my no, go for
3: it try 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 but the mm-hmm. version on Machina 2 okay.
2: okay yes
3: not the one that was on Machina 1 the version on Machina 2 is again it's like that much more raw uh, uh, It's an, I think it's like an alt version of the song mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's something about it like I just like the lyrics more and i i just like the song more than the more produced version of it totally um, cuz it's just like a sad song and there's like a this like weird kind of fuzzy like synthesizer noise in the alt version that i just like i like more than the the other version it's a pretty song
2: <laughs> it's a very pretty song it's a it's a yeah. lovely song uh at number 5 i have today um which mm-hmm. you know <laughs> As a kid who loved movies and music, you know, this album comes out in, you know, 93 or so. Um, This was one of the first uh, moments when I would play a song and just fuck around with a camera. Yeah. Um, And I I loved sort of the the, the quiet to loud that they do quite a bit where like, you know, they start with the, the tinkling of something and then like. Coming, with, yeah, then just yeah. like coming <laughs> with some fucking crazy uh it's 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 just a, it's it's a fucking great hooky song. And um it's a testament that they that you could see this being a one hit wonder song. Like you could yeah. see this being one of those just like big, fat, huge fucking singles from a band that never does anything again. And they and they were able to keep it up. So Yeah. What's your four?
3: Uh today is my number four. <laughs> <laughs> for all the reasons Perfect. you said yeah it's yeah. just like it's such a pretty song it, even though the lyrics are so sad i think that's also a thing i like about it is like the juxtaposition of the lyrics with the sound mm-hmm. of it where it is just like it is such a hot and cold sort of like feeling that you get from it um it's just such a pretty song and it you know it makes you feel good until you hear those lyrics about this red ribbon scars and you're like oh wait oh, what yeah
2: <laughs> yeah it's it is it's yeah. Um at number four I have tonight tonight. Heard of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know again this was sort of one of those um albums for me anyway uh and one of those songs that announces itself. Yeah. You know, this is this is you you've got a little bit of instrumentation at the very top of this album for for this, you know, the instrumental song Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, but this is the first song. And it just comes in with just big fucking strings and just the biggest sort of the epicness of this song that basically says this is the thesis statement. We're going big, it's gonna be huge, it's gonna be just like nothing you've heard before and buckle yeah. up for for a hell of a ride. And and that's so exciting.
3: It is. You're right.
2: Uh what's your number three?
3: Through the Eyes of Ruby is my number three.
2: Great. Which
3: is like, oh my God. I listened that's it's probably like aside from my number uh one and two songs, or so like that's that's like the third song I've probably listened to the most off of melon like or of sure. any Smashing Pumpkin song, even though it is longer, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh uh seven minutes thirty eight seconds long. Uh and I used to listen to it all the fucking time. Um it's just it's like it's another one of those songs that like starts off and then gets loud as shit and then just sort of like, not meanders, but like it meanders in a really pretty way, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. it gets back into the loud shit. And it's just like exactly what I want from a Smashing Pumpkin song. It hits all the notes, like nonsense lyrics that sound pretty, (laughs) like pretty instruments, you know, like beautiful sounds. Yeah, It's just, I love it. It's just such a good
2: song. Yeah. It's, you know, um, not, not to, um, harken back to, to Tonight Tonight in the music video for it. But um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's essentially a recreation of, of the um, Mille movie Trip to the Moon. Uh, to the moon. Um, but when you see them all standing on clouds, wearing <laughs> old-timey clothes, playing these old-timey instruments, and you're just sort of like, it makes me think of what you were just saying about Through the Eyes of Ruby of like pretty instruments, this like yeah. just sort of like the grandiosity of, of what they're doing um, and that they're Embracing it for all of its kind of um, in all its glory. Like on some level, I'm sure that they had to acknowledge that what they were doing was perhaps a little bit silly. But but at the same time, they're owning it, and yep. it's just it's 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 uh, superb. Um, my number three is "Disarm." Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it is to your point a quintessential '90s song that that every you know teenage girl is running through the streets wearing flannel while it plays. Yeah. Um, it's you know, it, it's also one of those. Um, music videos that I remember it really kind of imprinted me with sort of the aesthetic of it mm-hmm. which was um, these extreme close-ups on the faces of the band members with this rear projection of this other black and white footage that was done really kind of seamlessly. Um, it's just a really beautiful music video Yeah, um, I just, I, I, I really uh, I've always been really taken with it. But what's your, what's your number two?
3: My number two is Tonight Tonight um, Again, for a lot of the same reasons you were saying. I think to me it's like the pinnacle of like the Smashing Pumpkins in a way Cause it is like, like you were saying, it's like they put on those old timey costumes, like stood on that cloud, and they looked ridiculous. <laughs> but they had, like, they looked like for the first time, like they were having fun, yep. and like it, it's just such a that song is just so grandiose and just fucking huge. And it's also like, because like, uh, I work out, and so I have like running songs on my, on my workout playlist. Yeah but it's like tonight tonight has been on like my running my running playlist for probably like 20 years. <laughs> like it's like one of those songs it's just I like anytime I hear that song I listen to it from front to back like regardless. Like it's just, it's never a song I'll skip. It's never a song that I get tired of. It's like almost like there there by Radiohead where like I hear that song and I'm like oh I love this fucking song.
2: <laughs> like, Tonight there's, Tonight is just such a good song. There's also something about, and I, I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, but like, there's something about the way that Billy pronounces certain words that also yeah. really works for me. And Tonight Tonight has the way he says the impossible is possible tonight. Yeah. That it's like stuck in his throat in in a way that's just sort of, he has this very obviously kind of nasally crackly voice at times. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, a it's, yeah, it's a great fucking song. Yeah.
3: I, it's funny you say that too, because like, the way that Billy pronounces things in songs in general, you know? Like I think of like zero. It's like, like emptiness is loneliness and loneliness is yeah. God is empty.
2: Just like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is. I mean, it's funny when you say like that specific instance, right. And and even mm-hmm. a little bit in, uh, we were talking earlier about everlasting gaze. There's, there is something performative about what he's doing that makes me think are you fucking with us a little bit, Billy? Like, is this, is yeah. is there a little bit of tongue in cheek in what you're doing? Do you know what I'm saying? I hear you. Yeah. <sighs> I don't think there is, I but <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think it's all straight. I think he's like, there is, it is all genuine.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're right. Um, at number two, I have stumbling, um, which, you know, is it's, it's a little song. Um, that just for whatever reason, claiming her destiny with her feet in the stirrups. Um, there's just a lot of really powerful stuff going on in that song. It's just a really, really. Um, it. I guess. I guess the best way to put this is it perfectly personifies how intimate and small and beautifully poetic their songs can be. Yeah. Um And I, I you know, I, I think that that's something that they don 't get enough love for I think that people understandably get swept away in all the stuff we 're talking about with tonight tonight um, and even all the the just all the I hate to say it, but all the bullshit that comes with smashing pumpkins that makes them a a, a band that people perhaps don 't own their love of because of mm-hmm. the silliness and the kind of you know the, the pompousness and all all the all of this shit. They make a beautiful song like "Stumbling." That's under three minutes long. That's just about like getting trapped in circumstances and being a human being. Um, and it's just him and a fucking acoustic guitar. It's just I don't know. It just really.
3: And I think powerful. that's also one of the things about "Adore" that at the time turned me off to the album, mm-hmm. and that I only like you know I, years after it came out that I revisited and I was like, oh okay, this is what I like about it. Yep. Were those moments that were stripped down and quieter and more poetic, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean I think that it's also um it's it's a mixture of I'm just looking something up really quickly here yeah. but it's it's a mixture of all those things that makes it that I don't know that just makes them not feel like just another fucking band. I don't know, I don't yeah. know how else to explain it other than to say that I feel like they don't get enough love because I think a lot of people think that they are just a band called Smashing Pumpkins from the '90s, like there were a grunge band named Smashing Pumpkins, like that in, in and of itself is just sort of almost silly. But,
3: and I think you know. to your point too, that was what drew me to them was they were doing something that nobody else was. Or they were doing something that other people were doing in their own way. Yes. And yes. only yes. when they started to do it the way other people were doing it was when I started to tune out. Like with Machina yes. was when it started to sound like everything else I'd already been hearing, yes. and that was when I was kind of like, well, this isn't as much as like, and obviously with their newer stuff too it just sounds so bland and so just not what the pumpkins were. And like, and not that I'm like, Oh, I missed my old band. It's like, they didn't evolve. It felt like they just kind of like, yeah, they just sort of like hit this note and they've been hitting the same note ever since. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, there were definitely moments that I've had. I actually, I guess in a weird way, I have a little bit of a similarity between my feelings about Tim Burton and, and smashing pumpkins. Yeah. Which is that I keep sitting there thinking maybe, Like I have more faith that Tim Burton can turn it around than I do the Smashing Pumpkins can, but like that makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, putting that aside, I just I think you understand what I mean when I say that like um, they they had many moments when I thought maybe they could pull it off. Maybe they could find relevancy again. There was a part of me that felt like maybe a solo career for, for Billy where just like, he just owns his name. He owns it. But then he became William Corrigan for a while there. And then, I mean, it was just like, he just couldn't get out of his own fucking way. Yeah. And that's sort of, unfortunately that that's the beginning and the end of, of, of the band. Um, I think we have the same number one, it seems, um, 1979? 1979, yeah. I was trying to <laughs> okay. think
3: of like a joke song that's really bad and I couldn't think of any. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, 1979 is like it's yeah. that is my number one. I've listened to that song probably upwards of thousands of times.
2: <laughs> same, same.
3: And like the music video is so good. Um, it is like everything about being a teenager like just doing stupid shit with your friends, like going to like shitty house parties and like getting in fights with people. It's just like yeah, it's just quintessentially what like when I hear that song, I just can't help but feel like I'm a teenager again. It's like one of the only songs that really does that to me, except for like and like maybe like a Death Cab for Cutie song or like the Postal Service.
2: Yeah, I mean, 1979 is just um, it's it's a it's a perfect song. It's a perfect, as yeah. you said, it's a perfect synergy of of song and music video. But also, just um, it feels. it it felt nostalgic in 95. Like it has this jukeboxy quality, the way that it opens with the clicking of what feels like something that's stuck in a loop.
3: Um,
2: There's just like this, this idea of, I mean, literally there's the the lyric June bug skipping like a stone with the headlights pointed at the dawn. Like just that idea of, of being trapped in a vicious circle of some Mm -hmm. sort that you can't seem to get yourself out of. Um, I mean, it's called 1979, which makes it nostalgic in and of itself. Just, Based on that it came out in ninety five. But yep. um, I just remember it had the perfect sort of mixture of of hope and um, I don't want to say nihilism, but like the lyric, which I which I pulled up here. Um, uh, and I don't even care to shake these zipper blues, and I don't I don't know just where our bones will rest to dust, I guess, forgotten and absorbed I don't think into the earth below. You didn't pronounce it right? Oh I'm sorry, yeah and but- we don't need- you not care. <laughs> Just put your <it> <laughs> bones <laughs> <or> wrist. <laughs> that is the more appropriate way to to, to pronounce it. But but I yeah. think you know what I mean. Like it, it had this sort of um it had this like we don't care. We're fucking kids. Yeah. Whatever, man. But then also it still is like written from the perspective of someone who's writing a song about the year when they were a teenager, which is billion yeah. seventy-nine. Like that idea of of sort of um we're destined to be buried somewhere at some point.
3: But I think it's, like, that kind of timelessness of the song that's still, that, that is so appealing yeah. to me. It is, like, it is so evocative of being a teen. Yeah. Like, you think you're invincible. And, like, we don't care that we're gonna die. Like, we're teens. Like, we're yeah. just gonna fucking go up to this hill and, like, flip off the town. You know? It's, like, it's that kind of shit that I'm just, like, oh, that is exactly what being a teenager is like. Yeah. Obviously in, like, a first world country. But, like,
1: you know... It, <laughs>
3: It's just like, what else are you going to do? You know, you go to the corner store, you like, maybe you shoplift, you Mm -hmm. like, you drive around with your dumb friends, you go to a party and like, that's, and that's all you do. You skinny dip, maybe like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it hits every single note of being a teen to me.
2: Yeah. It really does have that feeling of, um, of aimlessness is the wrong word, but like, you're you're sort of at a certain age where you're not old enough to do the things that grown-ups do yeah. but you're also not young enough to be to be happy just sitting watching television so yep. like there's this push and pull that comes with that like 15 16 17 years old where you're just like fuck you mom dad but you're also like i don't know what to do
3: But I think it's also like, it's not only that, but it's also the hubris that you think you know better than your parents. Yes, yes. Because I think it's like that sort of feeling of being a teen where it's like, fuck you, mom and dad. Like, you don't know what it's like when you're like, your parents are like, yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, we do. Like, of course we do, because we were also teens one day. I think it's why, like, I love the song so much, because like, you think of Billy singing the song about Mm -hmm. being a teen, telling his younger self all of the shit, you know?
2: Yeah.
3: Like, he's he's tapping into that, like, that teenage dream to quote yep. uh, Catherine Perry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Teenage Dream is the yin to 1979's Yang. I think that that's... Yeah,
3: they're like the same song. Yeah, They're like
2: the same song. They're basically saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think that, you know, that they ever made a better song in terms of just uh, no. a perfect I mean, kind of... You
3: know, yeah. And, and they that's they like were, where it's like, it's so funny that the sequel to the song is called Perfect, because like it's not... Yeah. But it's like, it's still a good song. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, the music video is also like so sad. when it's like, it's like everything about being a teen. And then it's like all the shitty stuff about being yeah.
2: in your 20s. And it's like, oh, like, yeah, yeah. no. It's a lot of like teen pregnancy and like just, yeah. yeah it's just a bummer.
3: They're all miserable. They're yeah. all like, their lives suck now because they still live in their shitty town. <laughs> and it's like the inverse yeah. of like growing up in the suburbs. Like some people just don't get out.
2: There's also something, I mean, it, it's pretty clear in terms of the, obviously, these two uh, music videos are talking to each other. But, you know, in 79, you've got Billy in the backseat of a car um, yeah. as sort of the narrator kind of, uh, of of all these antics. And then in Perfect, he's he's wearing a cowboy hat on a crane.
3: Yeah, he's like looking down on everything like he knows better. You know, it's just such a weird, like, it's again, like, and I, and I love the song. I do. And I love the video, too. But it's so weird. Like I almost yeah. wish I hadn't made the music video a sequel to 1979, but then I don't know if I would like the song as much because I wouldn't have as much That's of a connection to it. That's the
2: thing. I mean, it's also it's yeah. also I mean, musically it it speaks to 79 as well. Like they both have that similar yeah. kind of um, wistful nostalgia, looking backwards kind of component to it that I, that I think are is pretty great. I mean, this is the thing where you know I do think that they're a band that that I wish truthfully that. That Machina 2 had been the end. Like if he had yeah. just put a fucking period on the end of it. And if you want to do other things, great. But he keeps trying to pump this name of this band to try to make more cash grabs and money off of it. Which listen, I get it, but it's just it's just disappointing. It's just it's
3: sad to me too, because it's yeah. like if they had ended with Machina 2, they would have gone out on a high. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> I I wouldn't frown every time I heard a new pumpkin song. And I would be like, What is this? This is the Smashing Pumpkins now?
2: Oh. It's it's I have a similar relationship with Weezer.
3: Yeah. Another <laughs> band life. that just should have stopped a long stopped time ago. So
2: long ago. But it's 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 one of those things where um, you know, it's it's the old adage, is it better to burn out than fade away? But but I do think that, you know, um their highs are so high. And I, mm-hmm. and I hold those albums up as, 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 as just, I love them so much that, you know what? Yeah. If, if he needs to get together with the guys, which by the way, I guess they did a show relatively recently and they look so old. It just makes me so sad. Yeah. Um, it's just like, I don't know, man. I just wish they, I just wish they'd stop, but that's where it is. Um, yeah. but listen, I'm so glad you came on to talk about the Smashing Pumpkins with me because me? Frankly, I'm glad you had me. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I was I was honestly there are a bunch of spoilers to our listeners Kenny doesn't really like our music episodes Um, he's he just doesn't I don't think that he um I don't know what the best way to describe this is, but it's ultimately, I think, it doesn't fit into the same box as movies and television do in terms of deconstructing in the same way to him, which is totally fair and that's his prerogative. Um, but there are a bunch of like seismic moments in music in '99 that I definitely want to unpack with people, and and this was one of them, which is this is the beginning of the end of one of my favorite bands. Like this was mm-hmm. sort of where 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 the period should have been um, in '99. You know, Darcy leaving the band. You know, and and obviously this last album of 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 note from them. Um, So I'm just so happy that that you wanted to come on and talk about it with me. Of course,
3: and also like what was the line in in Garden State? Like, don't think of it as a period; think of it as an ellipses, (laughs) because that's what it was—an (laughs) ellipses for twelve years, and then Zeitgeist came out.
2: Can I just say though? Talk about the perfect movie to point to in this regard too, where it's like Garden State is a movie that feels like it was made in another planet like honestly yeah. feels like such a relic of a different time and i don't even hate garden state just to be clear it's just like i've tried to watch it since and i'm just like wait there was a time when this was allowed like we were okay to I do just,
3: this i remember having to cuz i was it came out when i was in high school and i had to drive downtown to downtown atlanta <laughs> yeah. to the midtown art cinema to sure. go to the art house movie theater to go see it because it wasn't playing anywhere else. To go see sure. Garden State. See <laughs> Garden
2: Which by the way, now would be like a, a an actual studio movie. Like there's yeah. nothing indie about that movie now.
3: And I was I thought it was so profound. I was like, wow, Garden State is it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's I, yeah, it's a great
2: soundtrack. <laughs> it's a great and and by the way, as I said, I I've, I've tried to watch it over the years a little bit in bits and pieces cuz like I can't really sit down and watch the whole thing. And 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 Manic Pixie Dream Girl aside, which it is perhaps the most glaring uh version of um mm-hmm. there is some stuff in it that's not bad. Like the, the, the not just the music, but like it's it's well made, it's well shot. It's like beautiful. it's beautiful. It's a beautiful it's movie. A, it's a well-made movie. Uh it's just Whew, there are some times in there where you're just like, so why are we screaming into the quarry? Just because yeah, because life, man. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> we live in New Jersey. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> would you um, live in New Jersey? <laughs> but uh, I hope that you'll come back. I would actually love to have you on for one of the episodes on a TV show. I don't know. We'll, we'll go oh. off mic because there's a bunch of TV shows that we're covering. Um, and when I say we, I mean me. Um, where... Uh, yeah, so we 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 currently cool. we're doing Sex and the City season 2. Um but there's going to be other shows down the road and you know as a as a TV writer, I think you'd know something about writing television.
3: Yeah, I watch uh mm-hmm. watch a lot of cartoons. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I do actually watch you a lot of cartoons. First, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well thank you so much for being here I really 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 appreciate you coming on to talk about this and yeah. uh, you know we, we, I can't wait to have you back for something else same I'll be back Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like its. We're also on Twitter at podcast like its 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like its 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Jan Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening.
0: Hit up quince slash upgrade for free shipping and three hundred sixty five day returns on your next order. That's quince slash upgrade.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh.